0: This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the third episode of our new podcast, HR in Review. I'm Monica Sharma, the editor of HR Review, and if you haven't tuned in before, in this short segment, we'll be looking back at some recent standout stories, and we'll be discussing the most relevant topics linked to HR. Each week will be based around a different theme, and this week's is the return to offices and how working parents and staff in general can be supported. Here today, I'm joined by my guest, Jennifer Liston-Smith, who is Head of Thought Leadership at Bright Horizons UK, which is a global provider of work and family solutions to employers and employees. The company works with 1,200 employees globally and over 300 in the UK. For a decade, Jennifer set up and led the coaching and consultancy side of the company, which then became Bright Horizons Work and Family Solutions. She now focuses on identifying overarching trends through research and translating these insights into solutions and practical actions. To the show, Jennifer, how are you doing today?
2: Hi, Monica. I'm well, thank you. It's great to be here. And hi to everyone who's listening as well.
1: Well, lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time out to come on our podcast today. I'm really looking forward to getting into our discussion. Me too. Um, So this week, I wanted to talk a bit about the future of work um, as things are beginning to open up again and consider the impact that this might have on working parents. Obviously, on Monday, the 12th of April, we saw non-essential retail open up again for the first time in many months. And this is likely the first step to a larger scale return to work. And COVID permitted, we'll be seeing a lot more of the workforce return back to the office settings, even if it isn't in the exact same way as it was pre-COVID. Obviously, this isn't going to be smooth sailing for working parents who have had to deal with a lot of different obstacles over the last um, 12 months. And so I think over the next, uh, for now, Jennifer, you and I will end up discussing A lot of different strategies that employers can use um, to support this group during the transition to the next mode of working. So with that, our first news story um, is research that was carried out by Total Jobs and the Boston Consulting Group which found that women were much more likely to opt for flexible working arrangements than men post-pandemic. So 209,000 people across um, 190 countries were surveyed, and two-thirds of women, 67%, said that they wanted to split their time between work and home, whilst only over half of men, 54%, said the same. Um, female employees were also less likely to report wanting a return to the office full-time, so 9% of women said that they would be comfortable with this, compared to 16% of men. So Clearly, there's quite a disparity there. Women are opting for the flexibility to decide how they work after the pandemic, which I think is a direct result of the working practices that have have been used during the pandemic. And I think over the past year, many women have been working from home and have had more flexibility, which allowed them to balance multiple areas of their lives. So just my first question for you, Jennifer Um, Do you think that this difference in views is something that needs to be accounted for in HR policy or strategy post-pandemic? A really common thing that I've been hearing a lot recently is the need for employers to account for, you know, individuals or certain groups who may be at risk within the workforce. But I think an emerging question for companies will be, how can we balance that and what certain groups want whilst also having to introduce company-wide policy?
2: Great question, Monica. And I love the way you've broadened that out so taking <laughs> the the broader view initially, firstly, I would say yes, accounting for the needs of of different groups, whoever I would say yes, accounting for the needs of of different groups, whoever they are is a vital part of the movement from diversity through inclusion towards equity and belonging that we're Mm -hmm. seeing a lot at the moment. You know, stimulated by the rethink that's taken place for so many people during the pandemic and other influences such as Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. There's an increasing need to listen to the employee voice and to understand different perspectives, different experiences. So, yes, we need to consider the differential impact of, of policies and practices And it's actually Mm -hmm. a chance to develop huge competitive advantage for employers by making the way we all work a key part of the employee experience and and having choice around that so i would say Mm -hmm. yes to the first part coming back to the the gender aspect i mean i think as you say fantastic set of data from boston consulting group and and the network including total jobs there um Mm -hmm you know the overwhelming hybrid working and there is as you say there's some gender difference in those stats um, between who wants to be fully based in an office and so on mm-hmm. um, but I, I think you know it's, it's global data and, and gender roles in parenting vary globally some of our research the modern families index spotlight research which we've carried out year on year since 2012 shows that men are also extremely concerned and interested in balancing childcare and elder care with work. So I would say that, you know, across the board, we need to consider working parents and working Mm -hmm. carers um, in a gender inclusive way, actually, um, when, when crafting new working arrangements. And, you know, just give that individual choice in relation to, of course, the job role and what needs to be delivered so Mm -hmm. you know we have to meet employee choice we have to tune into the needs of of different groups and consider all all sorts of aspects including family circumstances that people are balancing and of course we have to fit that with the needs of the role because people are there to wherever there is home office or, (laughs) or wherever they're there to deliver a certain role and it's about working cleverly as a team Mm -hmm. and an individual with their manager around delivering that in the best way and I think that's a really important focus whatever people's gender.
1: Mm -hmm. That's really interesting I think because there's been a lot of research to kind of investigate the impact that the pandemic has had on you know working women and working mothers but I think a lot of companies will have to kind of formulate that to include working parents in general because like we've realized throughout the pandemic everyone has a different kind of circumstance and offering everyone flexibility and um kind of the the um I guess the Adaptability in that that way will be beneficial for the workforce as a whole, and also, I guess, from a legal standpoint, avoid any you know unfair discrimination or, um, you know, kind of claims of that matter.
2: I think that's really key. And and coming back to the data from the Modern Families Index, we mm-hmm. found, for example, one of the questions we'd asked revealed data that over seven in ten across the over a thousand randomly sampled parents who'd taken part across the UK, Mm -hmm. over seven in 10 would need to carefully consider their childcare options before either accepting a promotion or a new job. Mm -hmm. And that was 73% of women and 69% of men. And when it came to adult and elder care, Overall, it was three quarters would consider their elder care options before considering job advancement. Mm-hmm. And that was 73 percent of, of women and 77 percent of men. Oh, wow. So, I, you know, I think there is some fluidity in the UK mm-hmm. against the context of this global gender roles and in terms of family life. And I think that's an important discourse for us to pay attention to, actually, because it's it's in everyone's interest, men, women, children, families mm-hmm. and employers who want engaged employees to remember that, you know, family structures are, are very varied. And you know, as you rightly say, Monica, you know, everyone has different circumstances. You may be caring for a pet, you may be studying, you may mm-hmm. be, you know, wishing to travel back to a family of origin somewhere further away. Everybody has different life circumstances that they, they want to accommodate.
1: Mm-hmm. So what we're essentially finding is that flexibility will be key and offering that to kind of the workforce as a whole, whilst also being mindful of, you know, the gender impact that could be occurring is going to be crucial moving forward. For sure. Um. So that's actually an interesting point to raise, because recent uh, research by the CIPD showed that most employers aren't currently offering is because Recent uh, research by the CIPD showed that most employers aren't currently offering the kind of flexibility that workers want. Um, So the research found that the option of part-time hours is desired by over a quarter of the workforce, so 28%, but actually used by under a fifth. And similarly, a fifth of employees stated that they would be using compressed hours if offered, and yet only 3% are given the option to do so. So there, I think there's quite a clear disparity between, um, you know, what employees are asking for and what employers are actually offering. So I guess my question to you there, Jennifer, would be what challenges do you think that employers are facing when it comes to providing flexible working options? Because I think that this is going to be, you know, increasing in demand as, as we move forward. So what is stopping employers from taking action in this area?
0: Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Sure. I mean,
2: I have to say the the employers that Bright Horizons works with are extremely good employers sort of self-selecting <laughs> by by nature of, of you know supporting and providing services for for mm-hmm. working parents and carers they are employers who are doing the right thing and i would say a lot of them have a real will to make flexibility work in all its forms you mm-hmm. know and the the recent experience has has just accelerated and ramped up that conversation so i would say there is a lot of will out there to make it work and we've seen a lot of useful progress in the last year but i think you know one of the challenges challenges for individuals who are managing within organizations, because you can have leadership messages, you can have policies, you can have Mm -hmm. a range of management experience and individual experience within that. And I think one of the challenges is the easiest way of managing people is simply to check that they're sitting there in front of you in an office and looking Mm -hmm. busy. And actually, you know, that's not the way it works anymore. And it's actually Mm -hmm. much harder. And we have to be you know in this changing world it's Mm -hmm. harder to assess performance with a dispersed team on the basis of deliverables produced in a flexible agile way to assess Mm -hmm. that performance across teams where people have different approaches but you know this is the key to how we we need to go forward Um, and you know in the the Boston Consulting Group and and Network Study that you referenced earlier Mm -hmm. the largest group on on one of the questions was that 44 percent wanted to have some fixed hours and some flexible hours Mm -hmm. so you know many organizations will be looking at if if somebody is working in a a hybrid way they may be working remotely some of the time you know you don't necessarily need to be glued to a desk but then Mm there needs to be some kind of structure. So, you know, is it some core hours and some flexible hours or Mm -hmm. another option is to have some notion of daily tasks to deliver and the quality those tasks need to be and then permit them to be delivered anytime, anyhow. But I think, you know, that's then permit them to be delivered anytime, anyhow. But I think, you know, that's the crux of it. There needs to be new skills developed by, by managers, by team members, how do we measure that? How do we know when people have done enough? Because there's the mm-hmm. whole question of when do you switch off, yeah. um, and we just need to get better at that. And I think that's one of the the big learning curves that we will we will see next.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting. I think you know the <clears throat> issues surrounding a rise in presenteeism, kind of managing employee performance and tracking that is is kind of been difficult, like you said, for managers throughout the pandemic. Um, but I think one thing that has emerged throughout, you know, the last year is that staff have shown that they can handle that responsibly. So, mm-hmm. from when when I was thinking about this, um, it was interesting to consider whether it was more of an issue of not being able to <clears throat> offer that, or you know, there's now a general sense of trust. Um, but there is a key problem which I think we'll end up discussing later which is when people are choosing different working models um different work hours and you know potentially being dispersed all around the country this could end up posing quite a threat to company culture Mm -hmm. and the way that teams operate and it's going to be really interesting to see how HR teams kind of take that on and keep you know that kind of retain that company culture even though it's uh, a hybrid workforce now
2: agree we should definitely come back to that. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. a big point
1: um great so I think the second um kind of article that I wanted to discuss was was actually yours Jennifer oh, um you. <laughs> so you wrote a wonderful piece for Bright Horizons which um essentially talked about working parents and how employers should consider extending their focus beyond Solely offering flexible working. So a part of that, which I thought was really, you know, important was that during times when schools were closed during the third national lockdown, most parents really had to juggle their work and, you know, their parental duties, which also included, you know, being a teacher for their children. Um, And so during that time, you said it wasn't really flexible working that parents were asking for necessarily, it could be more time, you know, specific time out of their work schedule or extra childcare to help assist them with, with those duties, and um, which would then kind of free up their working hours a bit. So I think like you've identified within that article, this is going to be a continued problem for parents. Um, You know, grandparents may be shielding, which means an extra layer of support is no longer accessible for working parents. Um, Schools will soon be shut again for the summer holidays. And this will all be happening around the time that staff may be expected to return to offices, Bit on the ideas within your articles and what sources of support you think employers could provide, which would alleviate the burden that working parents are facing. Sure. Thanks,
2: Monica. So that, yes, that's my, um, April edition of my monthly blog that I, mm-hmm. I write so yeah I mean I would say with the summer coming you know there are kind of three seasons there's the remainder of the academic year for mm-hmm. parents of, of children and, and young people of every age there's the summer holiday where as you rightly say there's a mismatch between that rather long period of mm-hmm. schools out and the, the kind of shorter holiday time that most people can take and then there's the autumn the sort of back to school and we hope you know with the combination of science and and compliance that we mm-hmm. will have a slightly more even approach at that point <laughs> but over the summer you know one of the things that that employers actually can do which is extremely practical is to provide access and ideally subsidize holiday clubs practical is to provide access and ideally subsidize holiday clubs and Mm -hmm. virtual holiday clubs depending on how things pan out with you know on-site versus virtual certainly Mm -hmm. over the last year some extremely creative work went on around taking holiday clubs online Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of the employers who work with Bright Horizons have backup care which is where you provide you know it can be a nanny coming to the home it can be a place in a nursery on a day that you're not normally using a nursery and so on and Mm -hmm. that that comes into play when normal care arrangements cannot function which is you know about 10 times in a year in a normal year obviously Mm -hmm. much more during the pandemic but that's a rolling program that many employers provide and as part of that many also provide access to holiday clubs so Mm -hmm. parents can you know see the summer coming up and instead of if you're in a couple relationship it's harder again for single parents but if a parent's Um, couple offer childcare rather than taking that time out together. So Mm -hmm. if an employer can provide access to a holiday club, that's an incredible support and enabler and and a really attractive benefit um, Mm -hmm. to working families. So holiday clubs and virtual holiday clubs, and they're tremendously engaging. The virtual ones, they come along with boxes of activities to do. So, Mm So that's one thing that can definitely be done. Some employers are providing access to tutoring, which is very supportive, recognizing the impact of the worry that parents have felt over the lost time in education Mm -hmm. so so those are some practical supports but one of the other things that that we're helping employers with is navigating the care maze you know whether it's elder care adult dependence or whether it's child care you know both within the restrictions and as we move forward Mm -hmm. just giving access signposting advice to employees around how to find care and particularly if people are going to be working in a hybrid way, you know, it's a week and it's a childminder on another couple of days. So actually providing that handholding support to, to put the care solutions in place can be very useful and that can be done relatively cheaply by signposting coaching and networks are also extremely helpful to working Mm -hmm. parents and carers because you know there's a practical juggle that has to be done whether as you say during the pandemic or or just ongoing in life in general there's a practical side and there's also a developmental side you know we Mm -hmm. can all learn a lot from people who've been before and you know it, it, it normalizes the concerns and doubts and aspirations that we all have to hear somebody else's story so creating networks or providing coaching as a space to think for working parents, you know, is tremendously powerful in mm-hmm. in enabling that development and that that journey.
1: Yeah, I thought those were really um, innovative solutions because, you know, we've all because, you know, we've all seen the kind of move to virtual events, and I think it also gives the children something to do during uh, mm-hmm. the holidays if we're focusing on on that side of things. Um, And it could really help to free up some time for parents. Um, I also liked within the article that you kind of gave credit where it's due, which is that working parents now know what they can or can't deliver during times where the education system isn't, you know, in place or functioning as it normally would. So it's just also about employers listening to that and perhaps changing or altering their own expectations
2: yeah absolutely monica and you know that applies beyond parents and carers as well that mm-hmm. what you're pointing to there is the really important matter of trust you mm-hmm. know we we hire people we recruit people for their skills and what they bring and then you know, we ought to trust those individuals that we've hired to, to, to wish to bring that, to trust those individuals that we've hired to, to, to wish to bring those skills and to deliver (laughs) the agreed deliverables. And, Mm -hmm. And it needs that kind of dialogue on what could be done day by day. And, you know, when we're in a crisis, then we have to work around it. And, you know, It's been a question of do what you can during the pandemic. But going Mm -hmm. forward, I think we can have a really intelligent, well-informed dialogue with all of our employees as to what's possible, what works best, you know, how teams can best collaborate. So that's an important point you make there, Monica.
0: If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk.
1: We look forward to hearing from you. Um, well, this kind of jumps off what you just said, but um, obviously for some employers, you know, small, medium sized businesses, the last year has been extremely difficult in terms of, you know, financial side of things, and they may not have the budget right now to invest in specific schemes or offer subsidized childcare. Um, are there any kind of free initiatives that they could put into place to help into place to help support working parents? I mean,
2: there are lots of of you know information sources that people can signpost you know mm-hmm. to help with finding care and so on. Even during the pandemic, actually figuring out that people were allowed to form a bubble to mm-hmm. include childcare, you know, was a revelation for some people. And and you know, mm-hmm. smart internal champions who figured something like that out and and signposted it were heroes so you know it can be a question of of of, you know putting together a single source uh, you know a a go-to site within the intranet that has all your policies and has useful information and and ideally also has some kind of forum or or chat area Mm -hmm. to support a network because I think Networks are a, a crucial way, as, as mentioned before, of, of sharing learning and, you know, normalising the challenges and, and the, the goals that people share. And mm-hmm. you can do that. You know, I mean, obviously, we provide events to many um, employee networks. Employee find willing volunteers, and you know, sometimes you get people who go above and beyond so one of our clients pwc for example mm-hmm. has been very well publicized for the, the the digital online lessons that they made available during covid they mm-hmm. benefit from having sheridan ash who's the tech she can founder um at pwc and so they there's a, a tech week can charter and all mm-hmm. the signatories of that including pwc made available digital lessons online that parents and carers can tap into but another award-winning employer Atos the digital solutions provider Mm -hmm. formed um, a holiday club entirely run by volunteers internally so they had French lessons they had the greatest showman with choruses in sign language they had science parties and French lessons all run by talented and willing employees so you -hmm. know there's always internal resource that will be offered. One other thing I would say that costs nothing is to make sure that we do not carry forward post-pandemic an image of working from home being a constant Zoom bombing by lively children because actually... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with With the schools and care settings back in place that's not what working home working from home needs to look like. you know it can mm-hmm. be a very orderly, productive business, and I think we owe it to working parents and carers to to understand that's how they want to work going mm-hmm. forward,
1: yeah, I think that's really interesting, especially like you mentioned the the impact that volunteers can have and you know kind of learning off each other, creating supportive networks, I think that will go a long way in you know, finding solutions to some of the problems that carers or working problems face.
2: It's hugely engaging. And and then, you know, people can win internal awards for their efforts mm-hmm. in doing that. And, and you know, it, it can be career enhancing. So there are there are many benefits that flow from t- career enhancing. So there are there are many benefits that flow from tapping into th- those skills.
1: Amazing. I think I think we'll be seeing a lot more of that as we as we move forward. Um. So I guess to move on to our final story, this again, spring, springboards off something that you wrote within that article, which is that we need to kind of, or companies need to form a very inclusive culture to prevent the rise of a 2 tier system within hybrid working. Mm-hmm. So ensuring, like you just touched upon, ensuring workers who choose to work remotely are not disadvantaged in comparison to other colleagues who do choose to return to the office um, so I wanted to talk a bit about a report that Microsoft um, carried out, which highlighted the difference between groups uh, in the pandemic and the need to focus in on certain individuals and groups to ensure that they're also thriving because there's been quite a clear some groups to ensure that they're also thriving because there's been quite a clear disparity between several groups. So the report found that 61% of um, business leaders, largely who are millennial or Gen X male information workers who are um, far ahead in their career, were really likely to report that they were thriving during the pandemic. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, so almost the same amount of, of workers, groups such as Working Mothers, Gen Z, frontline workers, and new employees that had been at their firm for less than a year, were much more likely to report that they were struggling during the pandemic. Mm. So I think for employers moving forward, there they need to kind of be aware of the clear divides that have the potential to worsen as we move into new stages of working. Um do you have any advice for HR and employers on how they can avoid creating, you know, two sets of employees that are, that HR will need to focus on when creating a successful hybrid working strategy that is really inclusive?
2: Yeah, it, that's, that's a, a real question for all of us now,
1: isn't mm-hmm. it? And, and I think from an
2: optimistic point of view, it's possibly more democratized now than it used to be a few years ago you know because pre-pandemic a lot of people and a lot of organizations were already on a journey towards more flexible and agile working. Um, people you know a lawyer or a banker dialing in to a meeting as the one mm-hmm. person who happened to be working remotely that day felt pretty much out on a limb and they were dialing in it was a phone line and it was awkward <laughs> to speak up in the meeting you know not not having any signal of, as to what was happening around. The table mm-hmm. now. People are all on screens, and I think you know. As we go to mixed meetings where some people will be in an office, some people will be remote. If everybody is on a screen, perhaps individual screens, even if you're around the table, so that it's it's equal across those who are around the table, so that it's it's equal across those who are, are calling in from remotely as well. Perhaps mm-hmm. representing people around the room. Perhaps having chairs that represent the people who are remote, so it feels. Mm-hmm like a a gathering ensuring that everyone has the chance to speak so you know very attentive chairing and chairing that's aware that sometimes different groups have more power in meetings and and Mm -hmm. you know people can sometimes uh, speak over others or you know take others points or take the credit for others points and Mm -hmm. that's the way that those meeting dynamics sometimes play out being attentive to that and and balancing that out and also things like continuing the after chat you know it's often on the way out of a meeting that somebody says oh that was an important point about such Mm -hmm. and such continuing that in an online channel that's related Mm -hmm. to the meeting can make sure that it's inclusive as well so I think it's about being smart in the way we use the tech you know attentive in the way that we chair those meetings and the way we convene those meetings and the way that we build a community around them.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean I think that's a really interesting point um obviously that is quite a big concern for um employers about how they're going to kind of merge you know the people who are working in the office and the people who choose to work remotely a recommendation that I actually saw um which again is kind of tied into that need for visibility um even if employees aren't physically there in the office one recommendation that I saw was that um Managers should be keeping track of all employees achievements and keep reviewing that to see how they're progressing and having that maybe written down or like looking over that quite frequently can then ensure that, you know, the people who are deserving of a raise will get that regardless of, um, you know, whether they're in the office or not, um, because it keeps employees I guess visible whilst well.
2: across bias, doesn't it? The sort of mm-hmm. punch of who we think is doing well. I love, I love the concept of catching people doing well <laughs> <laughs> rather than just catching mistakes. You know, right? Um, so I, I think recording that is is really important. And you know, leaders need to pay attention to being visible and accessible online and to everybody. So it mm-hmm. doesn't become, you know, which is what it used to be when there was some element of agile working pre-pandemic it used to be that you know going into the office was the place you could get seen and be more Mm -hmm. promotable Uh, if we really want to invest in a, a hybrid working future then leaders need to make sure that they are accessible by a dispersed team and not only in one central location
0: Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast.
1: Um, Well, going back to the research conducted by Microsoft, one recommendation that was made at the end of the report was that rebuilding social capital was a business or is a is going to be a business imperative. And so I thought it was really interesting because it kind of impl- implies that this social capital has been lost or eroded during the pandemic and needs to be recultivated. Mm. Um, I guess my question is, do you agree with this view? And if so, how can employers cultivate a sense of company culture?
2: Sure. I mean, it was a great report, and I was struck by Dr. Nancy Baim, Senior Principal Researcher at Microsoft, talking Mm -hmm. in the report about the need to measure connections in wider networks as a Mm -hmm. source of innovation. But the report goes on to show that as restrictions lifted in places like New Zealand and South Korea, those connections were established and re-established through hybrid working. You know, so mm-hmm. you don't have to be sitting side by side in, in rows of desks in order mm-hmm. to do that. You can do that as a blend of working in an office or particularly meeting and collaborating in mm-hmm. an office site and then working remotely some of the time. You don't have to to you know make that a permanent role for that. You don't have to to you know make that a permanent role for that that connection to take place Um, and actually if you're meeting less on site then you might make more of it you might have lunches together Mm -hmm. you might make a plan for who you particularly want to catch up teams Mm -hmm. will you know make an arrangement to be in together Mm -hmm. and I know some of our law firm clients for example are also looking at how to support the transmission of culture by osmosis even in an online or virtual way you know because Mm -hmm. it can be really important for a trainee lawyer to be sitting within earshot of one of the partners listening Mm -hmm. to how they conduct calls with clients there's a lot of learning takes place like that so how Mm -hmm. can you do that you know by perhaps opening an online meeting and sharing some of that even if it's done in a a sort of role played way uh, you know Mm -hmm. to invest in in training so I think we can pay attention to how that works both in a hybrid way and in a virtual with in a hybrid way and in a virtual way and you know I I would just say in terms of online social gatherings they do work i'm sure everyone has their story of of (laughs) how you know it it can actually be very enhancing and very social within bright horizons for example we're quite a large employer Mm -hmm. our marketing team has a quarterly social and the social committee are really gifted at creating quizzes and games and as our recent Easter or spring get together Mm-hmm. We we had a range of games. One of them involved guessing which members of the team were taking part in a a, a sort of mixtape of heavily disguised <laughs> picking noises, and you had to guess which colleague it was. It was really hilarious. Wow! And our marketing and sales director led a session on how to make an origami bunny. You know, these I think quite a lot of social capital was built then, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it can be
1: done that's a really optimistic view I think and hopefully one that employers will share moving forward I think it will do asking employees what they like and kind of I guess leading with compassion um, to really create a work model that really supports um, staff and you know working parents and carers.
2: Absolutely that and clarity about objectives so that the work gets delivered we know when we've done enough so we know when we can switch off but we're Mm. also being effective you know in the job that that we're we're doing but with more choice and flexibility I agree Monica
1: well thank you so much Jennifer for joining me on the show today it was an absolute pleasure to have you on here and I think all the points that you raised today will be really useful for our audience as they kind of move forward with their own working strategies
2: Thank you, Monica. It's been an absolute pleasure for me too. Many thanks.
1: Um, So if you want to hear more from Jennifer Liston-Smith, you can reach at Bright Horizons UK. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, Inside HR, which will delve into these topics and many more, we have one coming up this Thursday, the 22nd of April, which is about achieving fluid workforce management with the SD works. We also have one the week after the 29th of April, which is discussing how to address the skills gap and f- future proofing your L and D strategy. If you're interested in learning more about the future of work, the transition to hybrid working or any other topic linked to HR, please head over to our website, hrreview.co.uk. Thank you to Jennifer once again, and thank you very much to our audience for listening to our podcast this week. And we hope to see you in two weeks time where we will be continuing the discussion on the most relevant HR topics. See you then. Thank you.
0: The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk signup sign up and follow us on Twitter at HRReview or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.